0: Welcome to the Christ-Centered Kingdom Consciousness and Classical Christian Education Podcast. I'm Eric Spee, the master of Sheridan Hills Christian School in Hollywood, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. I am joined in studio by Kelly Hill, our classical coordinator at our school, and Julie Robinson, our physical education teacher and memory period leader, because today the title is Don't Forget About Memory Period. Now, what is memory period? Well, this is an important thing we do at our school and, and many classical schools, um, to, uh, to put in the grammar stage so that our, our lower and elementary preschool age students, uh, their little sponges, they have all kinds of, this is a foundational part of filling their heads with information. So, uh, Kelly, why don't you walk us through what is memory period?
1: Sure. I'd love to. So memory period is a special time that we set aside during our school week for introducing lots of grammar, and I'll explain what that means, but lots of grammar across a broad number of subjects. And so what we know from the way that children develop is that when they're very young, they can retain an incredible amount of information. This is why if you hear a song from your childhood, you can immediately remember all of the words because you had that very spongy brain that could hold on to all of that. And we can still do this later in life, but never at the capacity... very young children in elementary school can do and so um, at the beginning of our week we have our students come together and we have our very creative um, coach Julie introduce um, bits of grammar so for example she might introduce bits of geography she's showing them a map she's showing them countries she's perhaps introducing it by song or with hand motions or with a rhythmic kind of chant and she just introduces it, they have fun doing it, they repeat it several times and they move on and now they might consider bits of um, grammar or information about multiplication facts or skip counting the fives or the nines or the twelves or whatever and then they do that in a fun way with um, song or rhythm or chant or motion and so what the kids don't realize is happening is they are getting pegs pounded into their little brains they have a peg for the British Isles and the countries that are considered to be part of the British Isles they have um, pegs for who is Genghis Khan and they don't really wrestle with who is Genghis Khan until later when they enter the logic stage and they start putting all these things together but when they're little they just joyfully absorb all of this information so we take advantage of that We're intentional about loading as much grammar into their minds as we can across a broad range of subjects. And maybe, Julie, you could add all of the subjects that you touch on.
2: Yeah, so when they come to class, we have about 30 minutes on average to go through. And we touch on math. So like Kelly said, uh, a lot of multiplications, but then just the topics, uh, cups and liters. And we look at feet and meters and how can they remember what that equals, Then after math, we go into Latin, and they learn just basic concepts of Latin that they can then apply back in their Latin class. Then after Latin, we look at science and look at, okay, what were the creation? What did God create in the seven days? And we learn it in a song that they get, and they really memorize that without like memorizing it writing it down or reading it they're learning in that in that creative manner
1: yeah, there's no paper no paper here. <laughs> at
2: all it's all their minds and bodies and creativity that's exploring this Then from science, we move on to geography. And like Kelly said, looking at different parts around the world and identifying where they are, but doing it in chunks. Mm -hmm. And so by learning it and doing it in chunks, they have a better concept of where it is. And then singing about it, it's just that, like you said, joyful way of learning it. And then we end with history. And they love the history timeline from creation to current times. And they just sing about all this topic that, like you said, they may not know and understand yet, but as it starts to be fed, as they grow older or they go back to their history class, they start connecting those dots.
1: Yes. The timeline is probably the most exciting part of memory period to me, just as an outside observer, because I see children sing for more than 12 minutes without stopping, and they go through more than 100 significant markers in in the history of mankind and um, our timeline weaves biblical history secular history they start to build this framework in their mind that i never had as a kid and so i look at our students who are growing up with just even just the timeline if you just isolate that they grow up with a place to hang all the new information that they get. And they can can even watch a movie like Pride and Prejudice, and they instinctively can match where that fits in the timeline of history. And it gives a completely different kind of education and life experience because they connect things. They don't live for the Friday test and then forget it by Monday and live for another Friday test, forget it by Monday. They start to develop this beautiful like spider web of information and everything that they keep gaining sticks to it in an organized place beautiful
0: and it sounds like they're doing it at an age when not only can they remember things better things that will stick with them forever but in addition uh they are doing it at a time when they maybe don't see it as uncool yes right so they're, they're not absolutely <laughs> the, 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 this for a, to get a 5 or 6 year old to sing about the british isles or uh, math equations. If I was to ask my 17 uh, year old senior to do that, um, it may not have the same effect that it does in the lower school students. So, um, well, how do the students react, Julie, when you see them out, on the, out there performing?
2: Well, that's interesting that you said because when we first started, it was a little awkward. You yeah. know, as much as their spo- their brains are sponges and they can take it in, they were kind of like, "What is this? And why are we doing this?" And the concept didn't quite click right away but the more that we did it and the more exciting that we do it because they come in and we do it in different voices and we they we divide it up by boys and girls and they may do it say things slowly or say it fast and um you know sing it like a robot or sing it in like a dramatic fashion and start when they start having fun with it they're like all right, this is pretty cool, you know, and knowing that they're all doing that together, they started really appreciating appreciating what memory period is doing. And in fact, now the past couple of years, it's like, okay, we're off to memory period. Hey, right, what are we learning today? What, what's the new song? Or I remember this from last year. And the excitement on their faces now is, is priceless and that they're really starting to understand.
0: Well, and, and here you are a PE teacher. What's it like being a PE teacher... Uh, and PE teachers, let's be honest, they get a bad rap. That doesn't mean that it, the stereotype is real because I don't think, Julie, you represent the stereotype. Um, but you certainly do a great job in PE. But here you have to bring a whole different kind of energy, right, when you're in front of these kids to get, because they're going to feed off your excitement. So what's that like on a daily basis? Oh,
2: 100%. And and it is a different because it's not the strictness of a PE class of, okay, you have to do these push-ups. You have to do this. It's not that rough. And, all right, you're going to run for this amount of time it's laid back and it's the academic part of it that sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't teach PE and here I am. I have to learn the academic part. So I'm also learning as well. And that's been so much fun to be able to do, but I love the creativity of adding the motions and movement to it. I'm, I'm personally a kinesthetic learner. And so if you stick movement with it, I will do it in no time at all. And so making up moves for it, I can relate to those kinesthetic learners. And so when they start putting movement to it, and some of them, I'll just show the movement, and all of a sudden they know it. And some of it, they won't be able to repeat verbally back to me, but they will repeat the kinesthetic part back to me. And so that's where it gets the auditory learners because they're hearing the song, the visual learners because they see it up on the screen, and then you get the kinesthetic learners that they're applying it to their bodies. And that's where I think my PE aspect comes in and my ability to be able to move and we add a little bit of sign language into it. Um, And so kind of stretching the brain. So you're covering all learners during the process.
1: And I would add, we, we stretch this over years Um, here right now. We start at second grade and they keep going to memory period until they are sixth graders. And then I'm actually an upper school teacher. I teach upper school math and it delights me to see them use some of those skills now that they're in Bible class in high school and they're trying to memorize a big chunk of scripture, I see them trying to put it to a beat or do some of the rhythmic things, or or they will create a song to memorize the verse, or they will maybe they'll just research and find a song. But part of what we're doing, we're not just loading that grammar and content for them. That's a huge piece. But we're really training their brains to retain information. We're giving them all kinds of creative ways that are going to fit their learning style in some capacity. And so um, it's really a blessing to them, like for, again, for their whole life. And I love that this sort of sets kids free if they, let's say you have someone who's not the strongest reader. This is oral, it's singing, and they can still take on tons of information when they're not even really a strong reader yet. Um, They can memorize much of the world and the political boundaries of the world and be familiar with them before they are fourth graders. This is amazing. I don't have a map like that in my head, although I know for Julie and for me and for our, we require teachers to to go to memory period. This is not a drop off and let Julie take care of them. They stay in the room and we've seen some of them really jump in and redeem their own education by taking in all of this grammar and doing it you know playing uh with the kids and singing and then in turn they're in class and they say okay we're we're now reading about um this this in our uh, church history or whatever where did you hear about this in the timeline and the kids will remember and they'll sing like what's before and leading through it and they're like what else was happening in the world at that same time it just it opens up their education in a way Is so beautiful to see over the long haul of their education.
0: Well, and and in the upper school, this is such a lower school thing, yet we've been doing this long enough to see the impact in the upper school. Um, The our uh, AP art history teacher tells me that you know the students because they've come through memory period, um, instead of her spending time saying who the Romans are, and that's probably a, a very rudimentary example, but. Um, maybe specific Caesars or leaders uh, of Greece, or where things are geographically, and the interrelation of history. That's already largely taken care of. That foundation hook is already there. That peg's already set. And so now she can spend the class time talking into deeper things. Okay, why? Not just not the what. We've already settled a lot of the whats. Now, and, and let's talk a little bit about the hows, but more important the whys. And that's what you want when you go from this, this foundational memory period of grammar school. To upper school, which is which is rhetoric based, and start talking about why and let's argue yeah. about the why, right? Yeah.
1: And they have got some they have something to argue from. They can reach beyond what they even see in their textbook right now and pull from this wide body of knowledge. Julie's boys were watching Jeopardy. And how old are they?
2: They're fifth grade and seventh grade.
1: Okay. So these are young guys. They're watching Jeopardy and They're totally engaged because very often the questions are questions they at least have like a peg. They have at least had exposure to these, you know, bits of information. And she said they pieced together something that they didn't necessarily know, but they had such a good web of information. They're like, it has to be Charlemagne. Mm -hmm. And so then they were all holding their breath waiting, and they were right. On the final question. It was the final question,
2: and it it was against the top jeopardy contestants and none of them got it right but my, my boys got it right. yeah and so it was like one of those things they were very excited but those little things like that that you said that Reb being used out outside of the walls of our school outside of the walls of our classrooms and applying mm-hmm. it and seeing that connection with that and like you, going back to what you were saying is it's not foreign to them. When something's foreign to them, they may get lost because they don't. But when you already come in with that knowledge of the Roman Empire, then they're like, okay, well, tell me more about it. Because we know what it is, but that's it. Now tell me more. And that's where that, they're willing now to, okay, study more and get that better knowledge with it.
1: And it even brings, it brings their, um, when they're reading the word of God, it brings that alive. Um, If they see Paul talking about um, you know, statues to these gods, our kids, um, not, we're not encouraging them to, you know, like learn Be about pagans. false gods, but they learn They learn and they know. And so um, I was sitting next to my daughter and one of her friends in one of our Sunday worship services, and both of them wrote down something that they had learned in memory period because of something that the pastor said as he was talking about it. And they were so excited. They were like, oh we know this, we know this. And so I got to see it. It's not just for education. It's, it's for whole life. And the reason we ap- approach education in this classical way is because this is how God has made us. He has made us to be able to acquire information. And then later he's made us to be able to assimilate it and sort it out and see how it all connects. And then he's made us to be able to decide whether it's true and and whether it's good and whether it's beautiful and whether it's worthwhile. And so we love what we're seeing with our young kids and well, building this.
0: I, I, thank you, Kelly and, and Juliet. I would say that, you know, maybe some people are hearing this from, you know, Moscow, Idaho or other parts of the country where classical education is probably a little more imbued into the day-to-day life. But here in South Florida, this I think this is an essential way to bridge the gap between someone who uh, may appreciate classical education, but maybe... Didn't grow certainly didn't grow up with it. Doesn't go home to a classical home. I mean, I, I don't know that any of us sitting at this table were raised in no, classical homes. No, Not at all. I went
1: to public school my whole life. <laughs> I learned about education classical education later as a mom. I already had children and I sort of was looking at them like, I don't love how education is going with you. What can I do differently? And um, I discovered classical education. And like so many parents who finally realized or even teachers who come to our school, we hired teachers who we help mold into being classical teachers sometimes because um, there aren't that many that we can grab, you know, and they say, this really works. This is so beautiful. And it doesn't matter your cultural background. It doesn't matter your economic background. It doesn't even matter your, your academic ability. You can be what the world looks at as kind of a mediocre student and you can thrive and grow and become this rhetorical critical thinker at the end, or you could be the top of your class and highly academic and everyone thinks so. And you can, you can grow to a point that you would never have grown.
0: Well, I think Kelly, that's going to be a future episode for us about classical classical Christian education being um, for more than just a select group. That's yes. probably a whole nother one. But I do think if we're talking about how do you bridge that, I do think memory period, the way we're doing it and the way a lot of schools are doing it, it's a really big part of that. And it's it's a really essential part. Uh, Julie, you've been doing this for several years. Do you have any fun memory of a time in uh, memory period?
2: Yes. You know, it's tough to just pinpoint one because there's been, like I said, I've I've been doing this since the start, since we said we're going classical and I think you'd be the best one for this. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm learning right alongside everybody. And And I think a couple of times in class, it's been neat to see like last year, the fourth graders, the entire fourth grade class, just sing the timeline, it's 12, 13 minutes long and just singing the whole thing from beginning to end just gives me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fun, memorable moment that they would just all stand up and deliver that timeline, and so that was really cool. One year, the sixth graders we did the flashcards, and they had to they had to um, hold the flashcards and quickly get into order, and that was fun because they saw a fun game. You know, putting the timeline in order with the fun games. But honestly, Mr. Spee, I think it's more what I've seen outside um, when. When you teach something and then you see it applied, and I know Kelly shared, you know, with my boys with Jeopardy and my my parents are amazed with the knowledge that my boys will come and that they sing these songs and that they know this. But even one time in church when Pastor Andrew asked a question, it was one of our students that knew right away because of the catechisms. What is the chief end of man? And he knew right away to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And you you hear our students saying that amongst all everybody that attends church. I think, I think that's just amazing. And that shows what we're doing is sticking. It is getting to them. And, that's, and that, to me, I think is the most memorable part about it.
0: And, and I think we have to sometimes as parents, especially here in South Florida, uh, agree that we're going to be okay with our kids coming home with way more knowledge than at some point that we have. Despite, yeah, mar- despite our ages and our yeah. experience, our kids will know more than us now. They won't have the wisdom, but that's a whole <laughs> other topic. Um, I Just quickly, I, I'd add that I, I love, I, I walked through the media center, which is aftercare. This is an hour, hour and a half after school's out, and we have lower school students sitting there, and what are they doing? They are voluntarily singing the timeline song. Everything that Julie teaches them, they are singing it with gusto, with enthusiasm. Nobody's making them do it. Education, education, has become fun. And our whole dream here that we, we pray to God that this would work out is that it's not about the grades. It's not about that. It's about loving what you learn. And, and I think memory period has been a big part of that. Uh, thank you, Kelly and Julie, for joining us for this uh, episode. We hope this is helpful to those of you out there. And, and I would rem- remind our audience, don't forget about memory period. And if you need to learn more about this, you can certainly shoot us an email and we'll be happy to give you more information. So again, thanks for joining us. Until next time, seek what is good, true, and beautiful. Thank you for joining us. The opinions expressed on this program are that of the hosts and the guests. The podcast is produced by Alex Halpert. Sheridan Hills Christian School is a ministry of Sheridan Hills Baptist Church.